Hello, this is the Sutter Faction Podcast. I'm Evan Sutter. Thanks for listening. The talk today was recorded live last week at Happiness and Its Causes, one of the largest happiness and well-being conferences in the world, where the Dalai Lama and the world's top happiness experts came together to discuss how to boost our well-being, satisfaction, enjoyment, and how to live a good, happy, fulfilled life. I first spoke at Happiness and Its Causes back in 2017, and while it was virtual this time around in 2020, it was still nice to share the virtual stage with some of the brightest minds in psychology, science, education, business, and the arts. People like Kristen Neff, Dr. Rick Hansen, Michael Steger, Dr. Maria Sarar, and of course, the Dalai Lama. One of the coolest things about the little journey I've been on recently has been getting to meet so many inspired people at conferences around the world. Last year, I spoke in Amsterdam with the lead singer of Iron Maiden, Bruce Dickinson, in Copenhagen with Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple, and in San Diego with Chip Conley, entrepreneur and and best-selling author and a, a super, super great guy. And while we wait for the real stage to open back up, it's a great privilege to speak alongside so many cool people this time around at Happiness and Its Causes. This talk was called Awake, the Art of Living a Full Examined Life. For the Satisfaction Podcast, I call it The Explorer and the Peaceful Fool, the art of living a full, marrow-sucking life. The concept comes from my new book, The Awake Journal, and my model for happiness and aliveness, and its four foundations, exploration, know yourself, meaning, and presence. And it includes many practical skills to boost our well-being. So now, over to the talk. I, I hope you enjoy it. Seven years ago, when I was an over-entertained, safety-seeking 20-something, staying in a hut in Thich Nhat Hanh's Plum Village, I stumbled upon a book called Happiness by Mathieu Ricard and his views on happiness being a skill, one in which we can actually develop. He wrote, one is not born wise, one becomes it. And I wondered if we become happy the same way we become wise. William James said, action may not always bring happiness, but there is no happiness without action. It was this book by Ricard and this idea around effort and being able to actively create more happiness in my life that left me intrigued. As it seemed to be in direct competition to ideas from others, I said the more you aim at happiness, the more you are going to miss it. So I set out on learning skills that could possibly make my life happier, not just richer or sexier. And I became fascinated why some people were always happy, free and content, and others just never were. So I want to share how I stumbled upon happiness in the hut, and then dive deeper into why I wasn't happier, and if and how I could be. So why was I unhappy? Maybe it was a lack of a real, authentic exploration. One, exploration. Socrates said an unexamined life is not worth living. And while I made great effort in traveling to 50 plus countries, perhaps it would have been better for my life to put more emphasis on my inside world. And maybe now is the best time to travel. A time for a new kind of exploration, one that cultivates more control over our internal world so we can better influence our ever-changing external one. Exploration denotes going somewhere, but sometimes the best exploration happens when we aren't moving at all. Without examining what life has to offer, how do we know what we really want, what we like, what we need, who we need, and why? But when we are always running at a frantic pace from one task to another, we never get the chance to stop and simply sit with our feelings in order to see things more clearly and really enjoy our lives in the change and uncertainty. Carl Jung said suffering comes from our failure to understand and feel the unseen and unheard parts of our psyches. 
grabbing our phones or turning on our TVs every time we have a moment of idleness or discomfort, re-establish the habits of doing. In this sense, does exploration start the opposite of how we think it does? Is it when we are moving and looking outward, or rather when we stop and find stillness? Is an authentic happiness one that is more in our control and not one that is always dependent on external circumstances? Epictetus said we suffer because we fail to distinguish what is in our control and what is not. Do we depend too much on an external world, one we know is unpredictable and fragile by nature? Could finding these moments of discomfort and embracing them instead of avoiding them be a more conducive way of creating conditions for boosting our happiness? Von Goethe said, plunge boldly into the thick of life and seize it where you will. It is always interesting. And I love that. We see life as interesting, not perfect, not always certain, not in always changing it to suit us, but interesting in whatever comes. It was this that saw my life go from a goal or a series of goals to more like a piece of art, playful, creative, all of which brought me closer to life and the beauty of it. This curiosity and exploration gives us a chance for a newfound playfulness to bring aliveness to the uncomfortable and uncertain. We tend to forget how to create healthy joy. Kids don't, but we get old and do. I was looking at that in my life and, and even my love for surfing was becoming somewhat blurred by always having an agenda for it. To exercise or stay looking fit, never just for it and it only. But when we play, we shift from rigid thinking, one-dimensional thought patterns, and we shift from this idea that we already know everything. Maybe our lives can become more enjoyable and more peaceful when, be when being content in not knowing. Knowing everything, or thinking we do, stifles our curiosity and then ironically limits our possibilities. And maybe this could also help us in stopping the habit of waiting for things to be normal or pleasant, or this idea of achieving something or always having to be productive. Because when was the last time you enjoyed yourself? The last time you played with no agenda? Can we create joy from nothingness? Can we find ways to build play into our lives every day? The best example of this playfulness comes from my great friend Lou. Lou is 83. I met him on the tennis court behind my old apartment in San Francisco. Lou taught me how to grow old well, how important interests are, engagement, lifelong learning, positive relationships, and two things I probably never gave much thought to, creativity and playfulness. Over the pandemic, while many have complained of boredom and loneliness, Lou didn't complain the courts were closed and said he got creative and playful. He started playing Tenshi. He maybe even created it. He brought the court to his driveway, combining the practice of his tennis strokes with the soft movements of Tai Chi. He's playful. He's creative. He's interested. He's alive. And we can all actively start to dive deeper into our own exploration by simply asking ourselves new questions and sitting around long enough to feel them. Who are the people that inspire you? What qualities about them do you admire? What do you value? What is this? That's a good start, it was for me. So too is stretching yourself and trying something new this week that tests your limits and stretches your mind. By continually putting ourselves in new situations, we just get to see how we feel and why we feel it. Why was I, why was I unhappy? I didn't know anything about myself. Two, know yourself. Pythagoras wrote, no one is free who has not obtained the empire of himself. No man is free who cannot command himself. But at times we ask anyone who will listen to help us with our lives. I did. We ask them to give us direction and tell us what to do. 
but perhaps we need to command ourselves in order to be happier, to better understand the intricate details of the empire that is us. To gain this freedom that Pythagoras alludes to, a freedom that could prove vital for us to live fully alive. Aristotle said knowing yourself is the beginning of all wisdom. And maybe it is this wisdom that teaches us to take greater responsibility for our choices so we become less a product of our, our environment and more a creator of it. Perhaps if I had embarked on these kinds of internal adventures sooner, I would have become more comfortable in who I was sooner. And maybe I wouldn't have fallen in that old trap of simply covering up every emotion in something or someone else. Because when I didn't really know anything about myself, it was almost impossible to find anything that resembled peace. Benjamin Franklin wrote, Observe all man, thyself most. And should we not only observe ourselves most, but first... We may continue to find roadblocks to our happiness if we fail to build a solid home within us first. If every time we are challenged, instead of looking outward, we can sit with ourselves, our connection should become stronger. The philosopher said in ancient Greece, the most important teaching is know thyself. And it is probably more, more important today than ever before. The fast, modern, uber-connected, disconnected world preys on the lost. And if you don't want to be pulled every which way, with little influence over the direction in which we head, then it is important that we do look within. We could benefit from sitting with ourselves free from distractions for just a few minutes each day with a simple how am I writing meditation. We say how are you to everyone around us but we truly answer it for ourselves. By opening up this conversation we can see if certain things are weighing us down and in certain times, places and people are affecting us more than we know. We could also benefit from creating a tech-free zone one night this week without your phone, TV or laptop. We can just observe how we feel. When we have a moment of boredom, are we reaching for that phone? If you are feeling a touch lonely, are you grabbing for the remote? It is important and nice, really nice, to cultivate a strong relationship with ourselves. And the more aware we are of our dependence on external things, well, the cooler and nicer that relationship can become. The third foundation for boosting the happiness, meaning. And creating meaning for me was born out of this curiosity, self-exploration and self-knowledge. Running at it head-on was tricky. I was starting to see it all as deeply interconnected. With meaning, there were no more I'll be happy when scenarios, when I get a new job or make more money. And I saw it bring happiness into the now, where it should be and not some distant utopian future. Joy is only available in the present moment, and maybe I was always too busy building for it in that unpredictable future. Meaning gave me added direction and, and value and really softened my worry about what other people think of me. We know who we are and what we want. We can feel when something is right or wrong, important or not. It is like our guiding light that ignites, but, but only when we have given ourselves the time and space to explore it to the point where we can then trust it. And maybe it is this substance that allows us to live more aligned to our values. And when we fail to delve deeply into our own inner workings, it can result in an overly outward-facing mindset, a mindset that leaves us scratching for happiness on the surface, but never far beyond it. So how do we create meaning? Well, maybe a good start is immersing ourselves into all the intricate details of the empire that is us. By being bold and real and vulnerable, and by opening up our minds, our bodies, and our hearts. The Dalai Lama said, if you want others to be happy, Practice compassion. If you want to be happy, practice compassion. And one exercise around compassion and kindness I learned at the monastery that helped with my meaning is called watering flowers. 
complimenting a friend, saying something nice about an act they carried out, or just the thank you. And I encourage everyone to get out their phone and send that text or email now and water that flower. Simple, yet powerful. Good things like Teflon, bad things like Velcro. We are good at seeing our faults, so it is always helpful to have others recognize our goodness and help us grow. And it helps both parties grow as doing an act of kindness releases our feel-good chemicals, we get a little helper high or satisfying our need for connection. We create positive emotions for appreciation and gratitude, which leads to higher functioning people and cultivates increased motivation and higher self-esteem. Water a flower this week, simple. And the fourth of the four foundations for improving my happiness and aliveness, presence, four presence. And I think it is much easier to find peace once you've done the exploration, know who you are and have meaning and playfulness. We may struggle to find the stillness we need to be content if our lives the majority of the time are not still. It's a clash of two contrasting worlds and the louder, faster, more common one will prevail. But can we create patches of stillness every day so at least this way, as the external world continues in its unpredictable manner, we can still enjoy our lives. And when we can enjoy each moment, it becomes such a liberating experience. It heightens our senses. We hear more, we see more, we feel more. And then all of life's simple things become more available to us. And yes, it's easy to let the craziness of the modern world become the craziness in our minds. Easy to become stuck in our past regrets and trapped in future worries. But I found that in always shifting our attention to where the action is, we ironically lose our attention everywhere. And is attention as valued as it should be? For as long as I can remember, whenever I meet someone who seems to be living life well, I ask them what lessons they would pass on. And a super inspired 70-something man in San Diego simply said, pay attention. I found the key is paying attention and being present in whatever you are doing. Otherwise, you will always just be somewhere else wanting something else. Having great sex and thinking about what you're having for dinner after. That's an unhealthy habit to cultivate one that zaps our zest and energy for living and life. And I think aliveness doesn't start on the edge of a cliff or on some exciting adventure. And maybe it isn't always action and activity, but could be just as much found in the silence, the discomfort and our boredom. The trick is actually being there for it. And it is this attention and presence that can allow us to break free from the shackles of our own never-ending thoughts and roller coaster of stories. A wandering mind, one in which we have little control over, will not foster much happiness. And maybe this is why we, we learn mindfulness and meditation. As Thich Nhat Hanh says, so we can be good guardedness. So we can develop the capacity to see which seeds we need to sow, water, or shine light on. Stopping to learn how to cultivate what's important and learning not to shine light on the things we don't want to grow. Leaving the bad seeds of anger, fear, anxiety, craving, and cultivating only our good qualities. We create our own struggles in many ways. Some we don't, of course, but in the least, we can make them far worse by what we choose to put value on in each moment and by what skills we actually choose to cultivate. We are created by our choices. We are not victims, but creators. In this moment, we always have a choice. We are conditioned by our ideas to think this is good and this bad. The trick is knowing what will actually make us happier, freer, and more peaceful. What will relieve our difficulties, not only our own, but our friends and families. Behind our thoughts, we need to see the grasping, the craving, fear, anger, boredom, loneliness, and be brave enough and creative and playful enough to take care of it. That was my talk last week at Happiness and Its Causes. Uh, my new book, The Awake Journal, with much more on these four foundations 
and many skills and practices to boost your happiness is now available for pre-sale. You can find out more about that and me and, and this podcast at evansutter.com. Um, I also did a guided meditation at Happiness and Its Causes last week, and I'll be putting that on the Satisfaction podcast very soon. So keep an eye out, eye out for that. That will be probably about 10 to 12 minutes for that guided med. And um, as usual, any questions, email me over at evan at hapsley.com, and I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you. Enjoy.